0: In everyone to a very very great new episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by two incredible artists from this show. There's so much fun already. We have the playwright Melissa Annis and the performer Christy Ann Gryart, who are part of the upcoming show, The Inheritance of a Long Term Fault. This new show is playing December 1st through the 23rd at Theater Row, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting bfany.org. We have been so excited about the show, so we are pumped that we get to have these two wonderful artists on our program to talk to you more about it. So why don't we go ahead and welcome on our guest, Melissa Christiane. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hi,
1: thank you for having us. What a treat. Thank you for talking with us today.
0: You have this great show that I am so excited about, The Inheritance of a Long-Term Fall, and it's opening soon at Theater Row. Melissa, as a playwright, can we start with you by having you tell us a little bit about what this show is about?
2: Yeah, gosh, that's always the hardest question for a playwright to answer. Isn't that funny? You write a story and then you sort of have to think, okay, how do you encapsulate it? It's essentially a story. It's a retelling of a mythological past through a a modern lens. Let's say it's the story of a young woman who is living her life today in in a world of academia and she's ambitious and she's ballsy. Am I allowed to say ballsy? I just said it. And she's a go-getter because that's the way she's sort of, her life has gone and the way the society has framed that we as women should be. And then it's all of, it's about her navigating the pushback that comes from the this sort of patriarchal society that we are trying to fit into and follow through, while we also have sort of a counterbalance play that lives within the play, which is this mythological past, which I don't want to say too much about it to spoil the surprise of the play, but it's how did we get into this situation today? How did we end up trying to mold ourselves as women in a male-dominated world what could have happened had we have molded it ourselves does that sound about right christian i think that's
1: incredibly (laughs) accurate and i was taking notes on all your thoughts on the characters so that they are in the performance
2: okay thank you so much
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love that what a perfect story for a time like now especially so melissa where did you get the inspiration for the story what was the antithesis for writing this
2: You know, Clutch Productions are a wonderful feminist theatre company. They came up to me. I guess it was about a year and a half ago now. Is it two years? Year and a half ago. Time. What does it mean? Who knows? I would say we're we're really
1: zooming in on on two years now. It's like the first like, hey, thoughts.
2: Yeah, we got together and they posed the question of, would you like to write a play? And I was like, well, what would I like to write a play about? And then we started talking and we spent the first, I'd say, couple of months just talking about what it means for us to be women. In this world, leaving the pandemic, what is the new world we want to walk into when we actually walk back into our lives after being locked away for so long? So this is not every woman's story, even though our lead character that Christiane plays so beautifully is an every woman type character. But it's a story of this very specific woman who is obviously battling the obstacles that society throws at her. And so... Through these conversations, we just started thinking about, well, what what, what is the story we want to tell? So we started piecing these things together. And the great thing about working with Clutch is that they gave me complete freedom to be as wackadoo as I wanted, which is something that's very different to my regular playwriting style. I normally write very closed-spaced, closed-time, real-world plays, and we thought, well... If I wasn't trying to do the Aristotelian thing, if I wasn't trying to fit a mold that's been imposed upon me as a playwright, what could I write? And so we've sort of, we've shaken things up a little bit in terms of my playwriting style, which has been really fun. And then on top of that, I'm from Wales originally. I'm a Welsh speaker. I am a fluent Welsh speaker. And it was very important for me to talk about the history of, my country and my language and how not only does patriarchy affect the woman in life it's also a big product of colonialism which has been obviously had a huge impact on my country as we have had waves and waves and waves of invaders over thousands of years and how our language even though it has survived it has you know diminished greatly and our culture has uh, almost been eradicated over many years but it's clawing back which is wonderful so That was something that was very important for me to bring into the storytelling. And then the final piece of the inspiration was my husband bought me a DNA test a few years ago. I think it was a couple of years ago now. And we did a DNA test. And, you know, I always knew that half of my family are from South America. So I'm half from Brazil and half from Wales. And it was interesting to me because there were always these myths about where our family came from and how they got to Brazil and it turned out that a a, the, a large percentage of my DNA from that side of the family is actually from the Amazon Basin. They're indigenous from the Amazon River area. And actually, that tribe has been eradicated now, unfortunately. But there are still traces of the journey that my great-great-grandmother took to get to Brazil or was taken to Brazil more specifically. So what I've done is I've just combined these two, what I call, indigenous stories of my life, the indigenous story of my Welsh language life and the stories that I'm now learning about my great great grandmother, who was an Indigenous woman from South America, and then brought them into this little container we call a theater and then added a bit of modern day in there. So that's where all the inspiration was. That's a lot of stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> term, <laughs> exactly. It is definitely a long term <laughs> fault. It's a problem that's been going on for thousands of years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love all that though. Wow.
2: Wow it's interesting to think about you know we as playwrights we bring ourselves to every play and parts of us make our way you know make their way onto the page no matter what so it's been a really interesting process to dig really deep into myself and into my past and then share that with my collaborators and have their experiences come into the mix as well so that's been a really profound experience for me as a playwright
0: that's so wonderful. I love that. I love to hear that. Now, Christiane, you are one of the performers in this show, and I'd love to know as we start getting closer and closer to opening night and previews and such, what has it been like developing the inheritance of a long-term fault?
2: Well,
1: that's an excellent question. The first thing I that is very exciting about this particular process is that... I've been in these conversations with Melissa for the better part of a year and a half, two years. And so a lot of what has what the characters have been imbued with is a composite of a lot of these conversations. So certainly on the first day of rehearsal, after doing many development reads and speaking with her and knowing how personal this is and getting a wonderful education from you as well about all of the things that drop in and inform, it was kind of like, oh, I know this play, I know this character. Now it's about rendering it in a way that has nothing to do with all of the intellectual s- stuff that has come at us through many, many, many drafts. And also how do I ditch all those old drafts and just, and not not ditch them. I love them. I love them so much, Melissa. But how do, uh, what the, task was how to stay present with all these ensemble members around the table because their stories haven't been part of the layers of development so we're just really creating this together I would say as we've moved through you know table work is always very exciting when we get on our feet the first time it's out of body I would say in the last two days you know it's all the work has been done. It's been internalized. And now we're really shaping all these storytelling moments and refining in this last week before we'll go into tech. And that has been so wonderful. I think that, you know, the big, there was this relaxation that all of a sudden happened, I think particularly yesterday between all the actors and that it was we knew what we wanted to do, and then all of a sudden we got on the same page. And we all in this old world new world that Melissa has put together on stage, now we're dropping in and we're in the same play and creating in real time more than we ever have been before. And that makes me so exciting and or so excited because, now we're just off to the races now it's like can't wait to get into the space because our imagination
2: work will just grow and grow from here so I mean that's the magic of theater isn't it it all seems to it's all about layering and I think sometimes and one thing we've been talking about a lot over the past few months in particular is that we're always so invested in product right and production and so it's always hard to be in process and I think that what this process has taught me is to be in process for as long as possible and even and then you know there's the there's the theater magic that happens and I hate to rely on it but it does happen this sort of pulling together where everybody in the room has that aha moment at the same time and it's like oh now we know how to move forward. Now we know how to put all the pieces together. And I'm really feeling in the past few days, yeah. which is great because normally it happens at tech. So it's quite nice that we're in that sort of point okay. right now. I mean, I
1: knew all, I knew, I knew, I don't want to talk to the ASM about this. I believe I knew 95% of my lines accurately yesterday, which is like <laughs> that, but that means something dropped in. That means that all of the wickiness is starting to exit and the connectivity is popping. And that allows whoever's really shaping, we had designers in the room, their ideas started manifesting and getting clarity. And it was because we all just got in the same groove. So as a performer, that's also, it's very relaxing and it's very exciting because it means that all the teamwork then will uh, certainly
2: support my choices. (laughs) (laughs) That's been something that's been so wonderful is to have the designers in the room for more than we would normally have on our scale of, you know, theater making in terms of there's never enough time with designers in the room, guys, there's never enough time. And it's been really lovely just to be in collaboration with them while we're working as opposed to, you know, sometimes it's you meet them very quickly few and far between over the months. So it's been really nice to have extended time with them in the show as well. Yeah. True collaboration. Totally. <laughs> I feel I, I don't know.
1: You know, I feel like I want to offer something up because it might be juicy to dig into here, but I'm also not trying to like are
2: you taking up the a, interview? No, 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 are you the interviews. No, 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 you no, Andrew
1: out of a job? Is no, 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 I want Andrew to have this job. And I feel like there's so, you know, you, you you got a synopsis of the premise of the play. But there's some interesting things about um, the character tracks. And you were talking about, oh, this character is like every woman. And I was like, I don't know if you've seen it in print yet about that. The character's name is me. And oh, no, he's he's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Is that esoteric choice. I know. I know. But I think that that's also just an interesting thing that is starting to ground more because it's you and it's me and it's them all in one person in some way. And I know that that was a really great choice and brave choice for Melissa to make. So, anyway, I just want to drop that in in case that's interesting to your audience, and maybe it's
2: not. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, you know, the thing that I was thinking about with the character of me is that it's not me as in Melissa, right? That's the thing. Even though everyone's going to come out of it going, oh, Melissa. I, I can a autobiographical. Had- oh, I know. I, I already had my mother calling me when she read the draft. My mother's an actress, and I sent her my drafts, and she called me up and she said, Are you all right? And I was like, <laughs> Yes, it's not actually me, it's the character of me. Right. <laughs> but the thing that I was, really sort of interested in is that I'm hoping that this play if it takes on a life after this is that the old world can be translated into any indigenous cultures language so it could be in Welsh it could be in Quechuan it could be in anything that the old world wants to be the modern day has to be set in America it's firmly set in Colorado and Texas and California so um, it's important that that sort of journey stays but in the old world that can be any indigenous culture and can be adapted For those stories. And with that in mind, it was important to me that the character of me could also be played by any actress, right? Because I think the moment that you put a name on a character, there are assumptions that are made around the name because of cultural differences and various things. So I thought, okay, well, how can we really open this story up to be for every woman? And that was the idea, somewhat of an idea behind that. At least that's how I intellectualized it. That's as I was I going, think. I can't think of a name for her. No, no. <laughs> no. And, and I think, Andrew, the
1: other thing, we, you know, this play has gone through development. So there have been, there were some public stage readings, you know, 5090 was so generous mm. to Clutch early on. In Amazing. That they gave us, we were part of their space lab program. And then they came to one of the invited readings or uh, several of their staff members and, and their artistic director. And they were like, we want to give you more space. We, it's more process time because what you have, you just need to keep crunching and, and have that resource. And then there have been people around the table when we would have kind of not performative readings, just listening. It was like, can you hear the play? And the thing that would happen is people would be like, well, that that's me that's me. And it's like, that's the other metaphor of the character is the identification, which is really cool. And like men were saying that, you know, (laughs) men of different generations were saying that, and this is also, there's a lot of intergenerational context in the play. And I think that was also valuable too, that there's a lot of history and relationship that people understand. And by, it's not a generic choice about the character name, it's Mm -hmm. actually opening up things to be very specific and land and resonate. Mm
0: -hmm. That is all so wonderful. I love that. What wonderful insight into this great show. I, yeah, thank you for all that. I want to ask you now, Christiane, as the performer and as just this invested body who's been with the show for so long, what is the message or thought that you hope audiences take away from the show?
1: Listen to yourself and trust your instincts. They're there. We get dulled down and we get overwhelmed and overstimulated way too much, particularly in our culture at this moment. And I think that there's and I I guess I'm going to speak for myself and maybe I'm going to speak for women at large, but not that's dangerous to do. (laughs) But I think that there are many things behaviorally that we accommodate and it starts, we start to lose touch with a deep inner knowing. And I think that that's it. It's that if you can take a moment to just listen to yourself and trust yourself, the world is not as dark. Your relationships are more rich. And there are many opportunities out there that will present themselves if you're just giving that space
0: to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. I love that wonderful message. Melissa, as a playwright, what about you? What is the message or thought you hope that audiences take away? You know, I'm
2: going to completely cop out on this question and I'm going to say what she said, because because I don't know, you know, I'm not a playwright who tends to go, oh, there's a big message here and everyone needs to walk away feeling a different way. I want people to experience it on their own terms. Right. And I'm telling a story. This is this story. There are other stories to tell. Some people will relate to it. Some people might be angry with it. You know, I'm not, I I don't hold back much in this piece and some people might be excited by it. So I don't know what the message I hope is. I just hope that they, at audiences come and enjoy the amazing work that everyone's done while we started working on this. And I want to also say that I think one thing that
1: Melissa has been clear about is that this is a theatrical piece. I mean, it, could lend itself to film very much so but you weren't I don't think yeah yeah it's 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 that she wrote it that it's something that kind of really needs to be experienced live and in in this very unique relationship that the theater offers to an audience hitting pause on this to you know (laughs) take all the things while you're watching on a streaming service that's just not the dynamic here at all
2: yeah and it's funny you say that because I was thinking about you know, I was thinking about this play, knowing that we were coming in to talk with you, Andrew, and I was thinking about why the style of this play is the way it is. And I think that a part of it is rooted in my background of being a, a Welsh theatre artist as well. And being, you know, from the British world, of we have pantomimes, we have these big, brash colorful shows that we are taken to from a very young age. And I really wanted to tap into the joy that I had when I was first introduced to that theater as well. So I'm really trying to pull on some of my past experiences of that sort of more colorful, brash, I think, lovely theatricality. So it's something that, you know, I love embracing theater.
0: That is so wonderful. Oh my gosh. I love that. Absolutely love that. Well, my final question for this first part is, who do you hope have access to your show? And Melissa, may I start with you first on that?
2: Oh, my goodness. I hope everybody has access to it. I mean, theater is far too expensive. It's far too inaccessible. People don't feel like they have the permission to walk into a theater, which I mean, don't even get me started on this. I mean, the, the thing that I get so frustrated about is that we don't have enough theater and education and education in theater. Oh, don't get me started I on know, that. exactly. Christiane uh, uh, and I have worked a lot oh with, we've worked with Rattlestick, we've worked with lots of different theater companies with primary stages, yeah. trying to you know incorporate more of this sort of theatricality into children's lives. But I hope that even people who feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not somebody who goes to the theater. I hope that they, in particular, I hope that they can come and see this play. I know I'm inviting. I've, I was a bartender in New York City for 12 years. I've invited all of my customers. I've invited, you know, it's been a few years, but I was like, hey, do you remember me? So I just- <laughs> How could they not? <laughs> I know, I'm the only Welsh girl in the village. But I do hope that it's for everybody and it's not for any particular type of person. What do you think?
1: Oh, okay. (laughs) So I guess, can I, can I turn my hat a little sideways here, Andrew? Because I am a performer in the show, but I also, I'm a founding member of Clutch Productions and I'm the current artistic director. And, and we've had many meetings over the years, especially after 2020, it was, you know, a lot of us, what do we want the theater to be? And I think, you know, in my upbringing apprenticeship through it it was always about the theater should be affordable and accessible and access is a broad term you know it's not just about being well it is about being able to enter the building and enter the building whether you know that means that there's ramps and elevators but being able to enter the Mm -hmm. building and that you don't feel that there is some test of worthiness of being able to be there that it is for the people so with this in particular this show it was you know, we're, we're on 42nd Street, we're at Theater Row, but we're not going to charge prices that look like that because we want that access. So, you know, the highest price ticket is $35. Producers are running senior and student discounts. We have an artist discount code that's going out. We're, it's We want to share this with people because we also want it to be come back and play with us. We cannot be in the theater and making it without the audience. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that it's come and see what we've done. It's, we need your experience, we need your breath, we need your heart, we need your all the emotions that pour out of you because that feeds what we make next. Yeah. It informs all those next decisions. And if it's just that it's sterile and it's the same audience over and over again, we're gonna get nowhere. In, in my opinion. So I think the access is how do we bring down those barriers to make everyone feel that they, that they are welcome? Even if this story isn't for them, maybe it will totally piss them off. That's okay. That helps the next storyteller. But also it's definitely about, um, you know, New York is a crazy time at the, you know, between Thanksgiving and New Year's, but we also have a lot of tourists. We have a lot of visitors. We have a lot of families that are in. So it's also about how do we, if they, if they can't do, you know, if if the TKTS price isn't the thing they can afford, maybe they'll not take a risk on something new, but be like, wow, what's happening down here, just down the street next to all this stuff. um, Because that feels more in line with, what my pocketbook can afford and that's access to yeah bravo
0: for the second part of our interview we'd love to let our listeners get a chance to get to know our guests a little bit better more on a personal level and i know we're a little short on time but i cannot let you leave without asking my favorite question to ask okay. you. i'm so scared <laughs> <laughs> and i'm excited to hear yours and that of course is what is your favorite theater memory
2: i was very lucky in many ways because i grew up in the theater my mother's an act. my whole family are theater artists so I was constantly, I mean, even from being a toddler, I was backstage somewhere. But I remember one of my memories was uh, my mother was in a show in a panto, actually, and she was playing the evil witch, the evil stepmother. And I was there with the school watching it. And I remember sort of watching and thinking, looking at my friends who were all crying every time my mother came out on stage. And I remember the confusion of she's really scary, but I love her and this and that and then sort of having a conversation or whatever a conversation was when you are five years old with her afterwards and it was just sort of like no no no, we we get to play pretend and make-believe and we made you pretend and made you feel make-believe and I remember feeling that that was a very special experience sort of understanding that her make-believe became my make-believe and then we all got to live in a new world for An hour, which was really great. So I guess that's one of my main theater experiences is D.H.'s production of Mama Cass, which means
0: nasty mother
2: that my mother played when I was a child.
0: (laughs) I love that. That is a wonderful memory, though. I love that. Thank you for sharing that.
2: Okay,
1: I've tried to narrow it down to two I think it's going to be three quick ones. I'm going to talk about some moments that impacted me. And I was like, and then like my favorite memory while I was performing. There's so many great performances, so many great shows that I think informed my life. When I was four years old, I saw, I don't know why my parents thought I could sit through this, but I did because it was riveting. I saw a production of Fiddler on the Roof. And from the moment the light just came on and you know, it's, it's that wonderful refrain. I'm not going to do it for us all right now. We know it. it is, but I was, I wasn't even sitting in my seat. I was just standing up the whole time, just watching. It was whatever happened right then. I was like, Oh, I was transported, but I get shivers every, I watch anytime it's on, anytime there's a production, I go see it. It's the same moment of the light hitting. I was fortunate when I was in college, I was over in the UK and I, there was a production of Ibsen's The Lady from the Sea that Natasha Richardson was doing. Oh, wow. Stunning, stunning. But the light came up and it was just silent and it just hit her on stage before her first line and I gasped. So I went <gasps> and it she just she took my breath away and it was an amazing performance. And so I just think it's it's like those little moments like that where, you know, you're in something yeah. just from that first beat. As a performer, I spent many years doing theater for young audience and it was a production of Rumpelstiltskin and right at the end where it's it's high stakes, it's we got to get his name right or he's going to take the baby. And it, is, it was a new adaptation of it. And so I was, oh, I was playing another smart character and it was up to me. I had to save everyone. I had done my research in the library and I had figured out about th- their certain oh, the culture, culture of-
2: me, right? <laughs> no, write
1: <laughs> no, 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 no.
2: no, but they, uh,
1: the, the premise was that because he was from, but like you know, like a certain mm-hmm. tribe or a culture where the naming was very important. And so she had figured out that his name was two possibilities at that point. And I'm battling it through and it's, you know, there's like first graders there and they're like, no, no. And one kid got out of the front row and got up on the stage with me as I was like, is it, is it this, is it that? And they got up and took my hand and said,
2: it's Rumble Stiltskin,
1: Aww. And I was like, are you sure? They're like, yes, I'm sure. It was like they were. If I blew it, I don't know what was going to happen in first grade later. But they held my hands and wanted to like affirm that this is what needed to happen right now. And, and the actors are just crying. We it was so wonderful. And I kept the kid up there to make sure. And when we got it right, I then sent him back to a seat. But it was like it was arresting. And I was like, we were all in it together. It's amazing, is it? That transformative yeah, that yeah. theater can do. Now granted, someone coming up on stage, that's always a lot, like what's <laughs> happening here, but it was in earnest. And I think that
2: was the other moment where it was like, we've done our job. Yeah, um, it is. It's so. a very special thing. Yeah. I saw Wicked a few years ago for the first time. And that moment where she's sort of defying gravity, you know, that defying gravity moment. Yeah. And there was, a, I think he must have been about six years old, little boy next to me. And it went into intermission, And he just turned to me and looked at me and he went, wow. And I just made me cry. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I don't know who this kid is, but he needed to share his wow. And I thought that was so lovely.
0: Oh, what what amazing memories. Oh my gosh, I'm going to cry at those. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing those. Those are amazing.
1: Hard question though. Yeah, that is a really
0: hard question. If our listeners want more information about the inheritance of a long term fault or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so?
2: Ooh. Well, I guess for me, I'm on the Instagram. I was going to say, Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, which is Melissa, M E L I S A, 1 L and 1 S. Everyone always gets that wrong. Melissa Annis, And I guess that's where I post most things mm. that I'm up to. What about Clutch?
1: I think, I mean, me personally, I, oh my God, my Instagram handle, what is it? Shoot, see, bad at this. <laughs> I think I'm Christy. I think it's my name, Christy Ann long spelling. But clutchproductions.org is probably the best way to know about this show and other things that are, are coming up there. But this will have at, at the company website, there's full artist info and bio and um, and there's a helpful calendar that lists not only how to buy the tickets, but the times of performances. Cause that's pretty important to know just upfront, like when you're planning. Clutchproductions.org.
0: Perfect. Well, Melissa, Christiane, thank you so, so much for the time, for your laughter, for everything today. <laughs> this has been incredible. I'm so excited for the show. So thank you so much. Thank,
2: Thank you. And you. come and say hi when you come and see the show so we can meet in person, not just over the podcasts.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: you. And happy Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah.
0: You as well. Thank you. My guests today have been the playwright Melissa Annis and the performer and artistic director Christiane Greyer, both who are with Clutch Productions' presentation of The Inheritance of a Long-Term Fault, playing December 1st through the 23rd at Theatre Row, you can get your tickets and more information by visiting BFANY.org. And we also have some other contact information about our guests, which we'll be posting in our episode description, as well as on our social media posts. But right now, run, don't walk, to get your tickets for The Inheritance of a Long-Term Fall, playing December 1st through the 23rd. We'll keep you updated about when we are attending so we can make it a stage whisper night out at the theater. But this is a wonderful show you will not want to miss. It's The Inheritance of a Long-Term Fall you like what you hear please leave a five-star review like and subscribe you can also find us on facebook and instagram at stage whisper pod and
2: feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stage at gmail.com
0: and be sure to check out our brand new website for all things stage whisper and theater you'll be able to find merchandise tours tickets and more simply visit stagewhisperpod.com.